Okay, so uh, this is a pop shifter podcast. I guess we can call it a pop cast uh, <laughs> uh, with me. This is Leslie and Adam. And I'm Adam. <laughs> That's my catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about um, the new cinematic Titanic venture, which is the new project from Joel Hodgson, who created Mystery Science Theater about, well, I guess it was almost 20 years ago now. And um, it's got a lot of the original cast members from the Mystery Science Theater uh, cable Mostly access first generation. days. Pardon? Most of the first generation. Yep, exactly. But it's doesn't it doesn't have the bots, and it's kind of got a new setup. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to talk about First of all, why we were interested in watching this, um, our background is fans of Mystery Science Theater, and what we kind of expected out of this new cinematic Titanic show, um, and then talk about the episode itself. Uh, it's called The Oozing Skull, and um, we'd like to address just like what it felt like, the differences between this new show and the old show, which... You know, you could try to say that it's something completely new, but everybody who ever watched and liked Mystery Science Theater is going to be comparing it to the old show. So to to not get into that would just be kind of silly because I think probably there's going to be a lot of people who want to see this but are kind of waiting maybe to see what other fans would say before they watch it, you know, because it's been quite a, quite some time and there's been some things done in the interim with uh, like Mike Nelson's riff tracks and there's been some other non-MST alum kind of copycat ventures. So um, the first thing is we should really talk about our backgrounds as Misty's. So Adam, do you want to, do you want to start and talk yeah, about there, your I, I caught it on spring break. Uh, they were, they're having a marathon on, on a uh, cable, you know, wherever it was that I was staying for spring break. Now and when was of, this? Uh, what year was it? Yeah. Uh, probably 93, 94. Okay. And uh, instead of going out and having fun on the beach and, you know, doing all sorts of uh, extroverted teenage stuff, I stayed inside with my friend and watched this basically the whole time uh, because it was like crack to me. I'd never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like, normally, I don't sit down and turn a television on. I don't, I'm not very interested in most of the things on it. But when I do find something I'm interested in, I will sit and watch it for as long as you'll show it to me. And this this just had me completely glued to the TV. Even when it's not funny, it's funny. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and now I just have all the DVD sets. and. Oh, see, you're, you're even better than me because I'm still going for my old uh, tapes from... Uh, Comedy Central and Sci-Fi Channel. So Leslie, I did not have cable. <laughs> I did not have cable for most of the time the show was on. Wow, um, I that's, think see that's I got crazy. Cable, I got cable right around the time that it went off the air, so I was shocked and, and happily surprised to find out that it was still on the air in the yeah. thousands. I um well I somebody because I went to school for film studies and. 
I always kind of talked over movies and stuff. Um, you know, even as a kid, I was a big fan of like the Sunday morning, um, you know, like science fiction, horror movies, all the bad low budget stuff that they would show. My dad was really into all that. So I already liked all that stuff and I always kind of made fun of it while the movies were on and to me, there's something very only child about this. <laughs> well, I had you know, a sister. You find ways of amusing yourself. I had a sister, right? But she was a lot younger than me. So it was like she wasn't old enough to really get into that until she was, you know, almost in her teens. And then we kind of did that, you know, with movies at the same time. But when she was a kid, like a, like a baby, it was she was just too young. But... um. So one of my one of my fellow film students showed the show to me, and I just kind of thought it was dumb. <laughs> I, I guess I thought it was kind of I wasn't really paying attention, and I thought it was kind of hipstery, which is the funniest <laughs> thing. Looking, I, it's hilarious because it's anything but hipstery. Could, I guess it could come across as a little bit holier than thou for these guys to sit there and make fun of these movies that people right. have poured so much love and energy into right. and still have it be terrible. So, so then, you know, my friend, um, was, you know, she was really disappointed. She was like, oh, you know, I, I thought you'd love it. You should really just try to watch it again when you're, you know, paying total attention. So I think the first one that I watched, um, all the way through was Attack of the Eye Creatures. And so that was, that's been always my favorite one. So, and, you know, I, I watched it through the change in the hosts when Joel left and and Mike Nelson took over and I moved from California where I was living at the time watching it on cable um, to Florida and I was panicking that, you know, wherever we were going to live didn't have the the comedy channels or Comedy Central. And um, then, and I started taping it too. So um, (laughs) most of the tapes I have... Yeah, there is a sense of panic when you think you're not going to be able to get it in time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So most of the tapes I have are are back from then. So they're not in very good condition because I, of course, watch the same shows over and over. But um, so anyway, that's... By the way, I believe my first was 12 to the Moon. Oh, that's a really good one. I don't know if I even have that one on one of my tapes. I think I have... I have 47 different tapes, or 45 different tapes, but some of them have other things on them, like X-Files. Um, this is so 90s. We just have, like, a whole podcast about what we did in the 90s. Um, tape X-Files episodes. Tape Simpsons episodes. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, I have quite a few episodes, but, of course, there's those few that I never managed to get, and uh, that's that's what's good about the DVDs is you can kind of fill in those blanks. My big thing was taping musical guests off of network TV like Saturday Night Live and um, Letterman. When did you first hear about the Cinematic Titanic project? I'm not positive. I'm actually not sure. I probably heard it from a, a handful of sources all within 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, it, I, I, I'm pretty sure that the, the MST3K world kind of you know, had a little wave going out right there for a minute of, oh, you know, just excitement. <laughs> They're back. <laughs> I don't remember either. I think, um, I, I don't even know. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was just like within the last couple of months. And I remember feeling really dumb. Like, how did I not know about this? But it's funny because I when, didn't know about Mike's riff tracks. Right. I didn't know about that for a really long time either. I think because I never was really part of any kind of MST internet community. And um, some of the different communities that I had 
joined. I just, you know, I didn't really like them. So I kind of right, got exactly. out of doing that. Love the band, but I hate the fans. Right. <laughs> well, the thing is, is when I first started going on the net, like in the late 90s, I remember thinking, oh, there's got to be, you know, Mystery Science Theater stuff. And there's got to be like, you know, stuff for Joel Hodgson. And he did have a website at one point, but like it, it wasn't really updated and it was didn't have a lot of information. And so I guess I kind of, you know, forgot about it and just never really knew how to keep up with news and stuff like that. So I was really happy to find out about this and, and get on the mailing list and um, hear like, you know, there were interviews and stuff now with him online and he was talking about all of the plans for the new show and kind of what he'd been doing. And, you know, that was all within the last couple of years. But again, I hadn't really known about them until recently. So that was really cool to find out about all that. Um, And I guess I was a little, I mean, I was really excited. I mean, anybody that was so into the show, like, like we were, would of course be excited. But then at the same time, I was a little worried, like, would it, still stand up to these memories I had of the show. I mean, I, I would quote, because I quote movies and TV shows and whatever, but I would quote jokes from the show, not even in context. Like, that's the funny thing about the show was that you would make, um, you know, they would make a joke in a movie and then the joke would become a thing but the joke totally... is its own joke. It's just a one-liner from the... Yeah, and then, like, how do you even explain that to somebody who doesn't, who hasn't seen the show? It's like this weird... It's it's like its own universe of, you know, MST jokes, MST world. It's a cult. So, yeah, I, I, that's probably the true definition of a cult because I think with all the other things that I've been super hardcore into, just the little references that wouldn't make sense to anybody else, they make sense to people who are, you know... In, in that mind frame. Or right, whatever. exactly. You have to be with the right group of people to yell something like, there's a sale on flannel, and have them all, <laughs> you know, understand what you were talking about. <laughs> so what were you thinking about uh, and when you heard about it? Like, were I mean, obviously you were excited, but I mean, were you hesitant? Were you kind yeah, of cynical? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about everything because um, when I was younger, I would get so excited about something, and then once I got to it, uh, it would never live up to my <laughs> expectations. So nowadays, I am just trying to be very even keeled about things. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, awesome. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to be able to get a DVD. And uh, I did have a little trouble buying it online. Uh, <laughs> <speaking of> which, <laughs> guys, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> actually had trouble getting my hands on a copy. Right. Um, so that's a little bit sad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying to be skeptical and also like, okay, once I get the DVD in my hands, then I'll you know, change my mind a little bit and go, okay, now I'm receptive to whatever you want to show me. Right. And uh, the very second I started watching it, I was like, wow, you know, they, they even say it, we're back. And yeah, it, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, we as fans have maybe grown and gotten smarter since we were kids and first got into the show, but they have too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I'm, in fact, I rewatched it today. I'm on the ending credits right now. <laughs> One thing that I liked about MST was that you could watch stuff over and over. And, you know, there's still jokes in there that, like, you can laugh at because you laughed at them the first time or whatever, first million times. But then, you know, you'll get all these new jokes depending on what you've 
um, consumed pop culturally since the last time you saw it. Because I remember when I was right. watching MST. You can, you can watch something a, a second time back to back practically and laugh at totally different things. Because, oh, yeah. Like we were talking about oh, yeah, Venture Brothers. You laughed over some of the stuff that was funny. Exactly. It's exactly what I was about to say. But yeah, like when I watched MST back in the day, um, I hadn't read the Lord of the Rings books. So that's like a whole a whole series of jokes that I didn't get until I rewatched them all after all the Peter Jackson movies came yeah, out. Yeah, and then you start getting into Frank Zappa and you find right. an entire new layer <laughs> of things that they're talking about. So, um, yeah, so within the first 10 minutes of the cinematic Titanic, I was already laughing out loud. And yeah. I felt really comfortable like, oh, you know, it's kind of like calling up an old friend that you haven't talked to in a long time and maybe they've changed, maybe they've gotten married or... And they've got kids running around in the background screaming, but it's still them. Yes, and, you know, I'm I'm sure that you might have some particular insight into the kids in the background screaming or dogs barking in the background even. (laughs) But... um, but yeah, so just within the first 10 minutes. And it was funny that they had the um, the shadows this time. I mean, they didn't have the bots and they didn't have the theater seats, but they had like the chandelier. There were a lot of sight gags. Yes, there were. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about too, is that they don't have host segments, but they do kind of have these little interludes or sketches or whatever you want to call them. And I and we really need like those. those. We really need them. Once we get to them, it's like, okay, good. You know, we do need a little break from this movie to get, uh, you know, to take a break and get some perspective again. And Otherwise, I like it's just the, an onslaught. Yeah, and I like the way that they even question what they're doing. Um, yeah. There was one when the movie's paused, or Joel pauses the movie, and he says, you know, like, should we really be watching them torture this this dumb hillbilly guy and they're all kind of philosophically debating it, which I just thought was so cool because I mean, obviously the show breaks that sort of fourth wall, but that was a really kind of, um, I mean, I hate to use the word like emotionally engaging (laughs) for a show that makes fun of bad movies, but it was really cool because you know, it, it kind of breaks the artifice of what MST had, which was, okay, we're in space, we have robots that talk. And There's a premise. This, yeah, there was, there was really no premise with this. There was no introduction. There was no, okay, this is the new blah, 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 or whatever. I mean, there's a theme song and everything, but... They don't waste their time. They just launch right into exactly. it. Exactly. At first, I found that a little off-putting, but with the new le- the new format and the new kind of discussing the movie amongst themselves, it actually becomes more um, engaging and more real. And like, um, you know, when I did the interview with Paul Feig uh, in the last Pop Shifter, he was talking about laugh tracks and comedies and how, you know, um, he had that scene in Freaks and Geeks where Bill's character is watching TV and laughing because he's kind of like a latchkey kid. Right. And that those kinds of ensemble comedies with laugh tracks make you feel like you're you're not alone. And Mystery Science Theater was always that to me because that was definitely a show that I watched by myself. Um, and it, it got me out of a lot of really uh, bad times. <laughs> you know, I was in college and things are kind of up and down in that point in your life. And there were, uh, you know, some lonely Friday nights that I spent watching the show. So I think that this setup where they're just there talking about the movie, it kind of feels like 
um, I don't know, like a weird kind of reunion of, you know, people who have now grown up. Right, exactly. And it, and it continues to be a situation where you're self-medicating, like just by <laughs> watching it. Right. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so true. Um, now, one thing I also wanted to talk about, um, because there are some cast members who played different roles on the original show. I mean, obviously, they all had their characters. But one person who was never in the room riffing was Mary Jo Peel. And she's been a really controversial um, person on the show. A lot of the later fans really disliked her character when she was... um, Dr. Forrester. She was Dr. Forrester's mom. And she was just like this really irritating person. But I always really liked her. Probably because... You saw through the character. Yeah, she was so aggravating. She kind of reminded me... Uh, she served the same purpose that, say, um, like the rabbit on Captain Kangaroo served. You know how he was, like, always causing trouble and you would, like, dread that he would do something bad, but then you look forward <laughs> to it at the same time? That's how I felt about her character. So I I really liked that she sort was Sort of like riffing. the boss from The Office. Right. Right. Oh, God. But maybe yeah, not I, quite I that. I never nerdiest. ever looked forward to Mary Jo's scenes in the show, and uh, I feel really bad about that now because she Aww. made me laugh harder than anyone else a lot of the time. And me too. I think that her her perspective, and this is going to sound again like probably way too serious, but I felt like there was kind of a female slant to her jokes that I maybe I just laughed harder at because I'm a woman. I don't know. We were just flat but, out missing that entire angle. <laughs> we I really mean, I were. never felt like the show was sexist before, and I still don't think that. But she the, did. The kind show of is have very a- anti midget, if anything. <laughs> anti midget, which I find yeah. shocking and deplorable. <laughs> but it's very pro pom pom on the hat, right? Um, yeah, so it, that was cool that she finally, I think there might've even been an episode on the old, on the, you know, when she was doing, uh, Dr. Forrester's mom, she, I think maybe went in the room or something. I, I don't even remember if it was her, but then they decided, yeah, this is really awkward. And they like kicked her out or whatever, but <laughs> I thought it was cool. And having more I don't people, remember that. having more people, you know, throw jokes out was good too. I like. That there's, you know, instead of just three, now it's like five. So plus you've got like their little um, gag characters like Stephen Hawking and and Al Hurt, which the whole Al Hurt thing was just so weird. It was so bizarre. And I'm thinking, is this funny? Is this not funny? Is it just gratuitous vomiting? Like I wasn't sure. But then, you know what? Watching it again, it's just so it's so that show. Yeah, you know, it's that weird. It takes the show to some other place that other shows can't really imitate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you were you were talking about um, like the Mighty Boosh and how it's just so weird and so funnily weird that it's like you almost don't even know it's funny until you're actually laughing. Until it's right on you. Yeah, (laughs) it just keeps on going and going and going, and you just sit there watching it like, wow, this is interesting and i can't tear myself away from it and it's very funny at times and when it's not very funny i'm still entranced that is absolutely yeah. cinematic titanic the, the yeah. entire way through there's uh, even when you're not laughing your eyes are glued to the screen and you're smiling definitely and uh 
Jay Elvis? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> He's another one that I didn't really find funny back in the day. And uh, wow, he oh, blew he, my mind. <laughs> his jokes were the darkest, I think. Absolutely. I mean, there were Absolutely. a lot of political things in He's there. He's the John Lennon to everybody else's Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, wow. That's really funny. Yeah, he, he was great. He was kind of like the the sarcastic older brother who's going to like rein in all the goofy kids, which is really just so funny. Right. Um, I wanted to talk about too, like the references because obviously things have changed in the last 10 years. They're talking about the internet now. Yeah. Like that's a whole new, th- Amy Winehouse made it in there. Yep. Lindsay Lohan. But then they had some of the old uh, stuff that they used to do, which I had really missed was uh, like the large titles come up and everyone screams like yes. they're afraid. Yeah, the, the, the Minnesota that made me accents. laugh so damn hard. The ah, <laughs> it was it was very natural and very. We did it with them the first time. <laughs> yeah, I find that when you watch it enough, you kind of know when they're going to do something because, like, you know, they have not that things. they're predictable. <laughs> no, but it's like again, it's it's. It's not predictability. It's it's like, I don't know. It's like listening to a band and they do a guitar thing. And it's not like, oh, it's a guitar thing that they've done a million times. But you just think, oh, that's so whoever this is. I guess that's like their guitar noodling or whatever. I also noticed that there was at least one, there might have been more, one pot joke. And that yeah, was something absolutely. that really kind of vanished in the, the Mike Nelson years. So yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, I I kind of feel like he was uncomfortable uh, mentioning it too often, but uh, yeah, you know, potheads generally are uncomfortable mentioning <laughs> it. Um, in terms of the sh- the movie that they chose, um, what did you think about the movie itself? I mean, we have to actually critique the movie. Uh, again, the word deplorable comes to mind. <laughs> it, Seriously, it really I'm angry creepy. at the people who made the the movie uh, originally. Like yeah. it's just they just did a whole bunch of no nos and it was very confusing. Even though even though it was incredibly simple, they were able to take incredibly simple <laughs> ideas and make them very confusing. Like <laughs> well, chase scenes so were edited into oblivion. We could not tell what was going on. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's that's got to be the best slash worst chase scene since uh, Mitchell. I thought that it was the same guy. Like when they had the close up of the guy that was chasing the guy with the hat, and of yeah. course I can't even remember the characters' names. I was like, "Wait a minute, is that the same guy who is chasing he's, him?" I was so confused. He's chasing himself. He just ran himself <laughs> off the road, and now he's and now after he's, himself on rooftops. This is and awesome. Now he's wearing denim. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I, it it the movie really creeped me out. Um, I mean, there's a difference between kind of like the low budget sci-fi or horror movie that gives you like the creeps right like where you actually feel a little bit scared even while you're laughing at it you know and like oh this movie's not scary it's dumb and then you go to sleep and you you're lying there in the dark and you're like okay that was creepy i can admit it now yes similarly there was something weird about manos it it left you with a kind of a weird oogie feeling for days this This was was totally totally that that. there's enough brain on screen time to weird anybody out i don't care who you are like all of the hilariously fake blood eh. yeah but yeah just (laughs) i think that's why we have al hurt vomiting on screen at one point they just (laughs) pull him out and go look we've been wanting to talk about this and so here's how we deal with it al hurt's gonna vomit on screen for you i hope we're not ruining that gag for everybody i hope everybody watches it 
before <laughs> this, and then we convince them in alert. the past to have watched it. But All right. I don't want to mention too many of like the specific gags, but uh, let's just rattle these off real quick. You go, okay. and then I go. Okay. Um, one of mine that I really liked was when the redneck tells Gore, um, you know, get your ass over here. And Mary Jo says, oh, get your ass over here. Almost never has a good outcome. <laughs> <laughs> she was seriously on fire. Um, yeah. The uh, upsetting aluminum foil body transport really got to me. <laughs> yeah. I also liked the reference to the scene from the Sunshine Boys. Oh, I missed it. Which was a movie that I watched as a kid. I don't know why it was acceptable in the 70s for small children to watch movies with like 80-year-old actors, but there you go. There was a an interaction with the, the midget at one point. Um, God, do I just need to call him a little person? Uh, <laughs> I feel like so much damage has already been done that I can't really do anymore. Um, sometimes they'll interact with the character before they say something. And one of those best times was, are you three feet yet? And the midget says, <laughs> almost, doctor. <laughs> those always catch me off guard. Yeah, it was good. Uh, another good one that I really liked was, um, better not blog about this. Yes. <laughs> I wrote that down too. <laughs> <laughs> the atomic submarine submerging under the polar ice cap music. Yeah. <laughs> I also really liked um, towards the end when um, there was some line about that the experiment was an abortion and uh, Jay Elvis says, there go the red states. Yeah. <laughs> that actually might have been my favorite joke. <laughs> wow. Another uh, quick midget shot was uh, right after the Slinky song. Mary Jo slips in probably what I laughed hardest at in the entire movie. But right before he, you know, jumps out, she goes, strike a pose. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that she said, too, and this is probably a good example of the female point of view, was um, when Mary Jo said, she's got two stalkers? That tramp. Yes. <laughs> that was genius. Genius. It was so great. Telephone gags come back in this. Yay, the telephone gags where they do the little (laughs) voice on the Charlie Brown's mom. Yeah, that was awesome. Click. That was so good. I probably could just, you know, go through all the jokes that were in the show, but then you'd really be missing it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, then you wouldn't watch it, and that would be too bad. Um, Well, there's there were a few movies in the in the history of MST that gave me the creeps definitely one was manos i think everyone's pretty much in agreement on that well um, everybody's dead like all of those people like died or killed themselves immediately yeah. after the movie <laughs> you can feel it yeah yeah <laughs> another one was um was the the brain that wouldn't die which i had brain actually slash seen head as a kid. That die. I, I can't i don't recall it being so creepy though um, and then the blood waters of Dr. Z is another one. Like I, I think I've seen that one three times and it, it still disturbs me. And this, this definitely the, the oozing skull. First of all, there, there really wasn't a skull. No. And, and there was some oozing, but I mean, maybe a better name would have been like the bad skull cap, the oozing you know, skull cap. <laughs> I believe that the, the cinematic Titanic guys had to retitle this movie 
Oh, um, okay. See, I, I think, didn't know that. I think they were like, yeah, sure, you can make fun of our movie, but you have to change the title in order for ah. it not to be confused with, you know, with the one that we want people to buy so that <laughs> you're not making fun of it. Oh, geez. I didn't know that. So, yeah, you know, and it's sadly at the end, I was really kind of hoping that the um, the hat-wearing doctor guy would make it, but, you know, he didn't. And, he, and they had to remove a tooth. You know, if they could give him plastic surgery to look like Amir, you think they could have fixed the scar on his hand? <laughs> no, man. No, that's just, you just don't get this movie, do you? <laughs> Um, Fixing the hand is not what this movie is about. <laughs> it's about. It's all about the little person. Oh, he was so creepy. Oh, he he looked honestly. I really was ma- waiting for someone to make a joke that he was wearing a saggy diaper that leaks. Because if anybody was wearing one, it was that guy. That that was horrifying. Yeah, it was just it was wrong. And then like I felt guilty making fun of him. Like I was really. Badly Absolutely. politically incorrect, but he was Absolutely. just wrong. He, yeah, he really creeped us out to the point where we're the part of us that is actually laughing out loud. And trust me, we all were. Uh, <laughs> the reason why it's actually coming out is because the guy creeped us out so much. We really have to laugh to, to release this tension. <laughs> um, who do you think this new venture is going i mean obviously they they want you know diehard misties to watch it and i think unless someone just never liked joel as a host or is like really young and is mostly familiar with the mike nelson shows particularly if they watch riff tracks which has a really different vibe than this um you know what it's kind of similar to to the only other mst3k related thing that I really feel like it has a very close kinship with, uh, humor-wise, is mm-hmm. you're going to completely disagree with me, I'm sure, the movie, uh, This Island Earth. Because it feels like they spent a lot of time on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Like, it feels really well done and not sort of like half-assed or whatever. Right, yeah. Most of the episodes, they watched the movie once, kind of riffed through it, and then they recorded it, right? That was pretty much... I think much... There, were, there might have been three. I think they watched it once, they watched it again, and then they watched it a third time to, to actually tape it. So I think they watched them three times. But yeah, you're right. I yeah, think it was this something Island like was... one-time taping or two-times taping or something like that. But yeah. It, they would generally watch it two or three times. And you can tell that, that they've performed this live. They have, they have done it live for a live audience. Right, they have, actually. You're right. And it feels like it, man. Yeah. You can, there's a lot of effort that went into this. So I would say that, that, that what it has that's MST3K related, even though Mike is not involved, it really kind of feels like MST3K the movie to me. Wow. That's a really good point. Um, you know, I saw that twice the same day that it actually opened. Oh, bless and I you. Haven't, I haven't seen it since. I saw it the very first show of the day and the very last show of the day. And that was it. I played in one dinky little theater in Metairie, Louisiana. And um, that theater closed like six months later or something. Oh, that's a classic experience there. You can't even get it. Like, uh, I know a lot of fans have talked about that. And I'm not really sure what what the background is on that. If it's it's a rights issue or what. Okay. Issue number one. Um, I've been watching it on YouTube a lot. And you probably knew that was coming. Issue number two, I just <laughs> saw uh, that it's on DVD now. 
Oh, it is. It is. I just added it to my Netflix queue. I oh, uh, so good. And and I was trying to remember to write this down to bring it up to you during this. Oh, so great. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hope that Zip.ca has it because yeah. Oh wow, that's so great. I'm really excited. It's a good time to be an MST3K fan. So, do you think that this? That Cinematic Titanic is going to bring in maybe a new crop of fans who just kind of missed the whole MST experience, old okay. version, things, new version. Things have kind of changed a little bit. The The phrase viral is very common now. And yeah. um, anything that is honestly really good and really funny these days actually does kind of make it out there on the internet. Like if, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can watch... 10 seconds of a monkey peeing into its own mouth on YouTube, then surely you're going to be able to dial in something as funny as cinematic Titanic after just a few recommendations from friends, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I had like five people tell me about it all at once. And as people receive their DVDs, they're inviting buddies over to watch it with them. And then they Mm -hmm. go home and they tell their friends about it. And And so on and so on and so on. (laughs) And they told another friend. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought move about it that with the angle. Now. I think that because you don't see the actors, you don't you identify with them as voices. There's no image thing. Like they're not going to have to come out there and dress like an emo band or whatever to like appeal to the young kids. We can't even tell what they're wearing. Right. It doesn't matter. And I think that the humor is so cross generational because I mean there were some old references in there and. Honestly, there's probably kids who would watch that and go, oh, I don't know what that is, and go look it up on Wikipedia, yeah, you know, or whatever. So I think that it would be a, a cool way for those, like, nerdy kids who, you know, let's face it, they're not going to be listening to the hipster emo band anyway. Um, they're they're going to really get into it because it's just so weird and different. And, you know, when you're a freakish outcast – you got to find the things that speak to you because that's like all you have. (laughs) Uh, Not that I would know from (laughs) firsthand experience. No, neither one of us were were outcasts, were we? No, never. So overall, um, what would you say, uh, like not to be all, you know, Siskel and Ebert, but, um, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, I, I definitely liked it. I really enjoyed it. I was actually surprised at how much I liked it. And I'm, Definitely looking forward to the next episodes. That's really the important thing is that uh, hopefully we have a body of work to look forward to here because this yeah. is this is brilliant and it shows a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, every every movie that they're going to watch is going to yield different results, mm-hmm. um, and I think that this was very strong for a very bad but apparently inspiring movie. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. And I just can't wait to see what they come up with next. Yeah, and apparently, um, you know, they're already recording, I think, or taping like three more Yeah. Um, over the next couple of months. There was some delay with studios because of the writer strike, so there's kind of a backlog there. But um, as far as I've heard, um, it's pretty much, you know, all systems go. So that's really exciting. And um, Did someone pick them I- up? That well, I don't I don't know about a network. 
Um, I hadn't heard about that. Although there was that funny reference on uh, towards was the it, end. Was it Showtime? Where, where, um, <laughs> where Frank said something about if this doesn't get us on the Bravo network, right? I don't know what will. <laughs> I don't know about Bravo, but yeah, that it, had to have been a little bit of sarcasm there. Yeah, hopeful uh, sarcasm. Right. I mean, the funny thing is, is I and. You know, because their sense of humor is kind of that dry Midwestern humor, to me it almost seems like if if they were Canadian, the show would just be a huge hit. Like, it would be like the kids in the hall or something. But, you know, because, like, the New York and L.A. crowd is, well, it's not necessarily their audience, but you do kind of need to get your foot in that door if you're going to... Um, have any sort of success yeah they're in that industry over there aren't they well yeah i mean they're all working in the industry but in terms of this particular show it's kind of like it's gonna need to well actually not necessarily because again like you said with the internet you know that there's a lot of possibility there i don't know that um it, it would be something that would just die because no network wants to pick it up or whatever. And, well, hopefully and they can find ways to cheaply produce it where they don't have to really worry about getting picked up as long as right. fans are buying DVDs and downloading them. Right. And cable's changed a lot, too, in the last 10 years. So that's another thing that I think may um, be a positive for them. It's a good time to be an MSG3K fan. <laughs>